When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. By now, you know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about that sound? You're listening to a set of GE appliances, complete with all you need to keep food fresh, dishes clean, and everything else stress-free. Making this the sound of savings on top brand appliances. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Get up to 25% off select GE appliances right now. Offer valid January 5th through January 25th, 2023. U.S. only. See store or online for details. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 124 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guest, Michael Wilton from Queensryche, I want to remind you that as the seasons change and the weather gets cooler, that the hoodies and beanies are available in the Mistress Carrie online store. You can also grab coffee mugs in there as well for all of those warm winter beverages and all the soup. And as you start thinking about your holiday shopping, well, nothing says love around the holidays more than Mistress Carrie. You can check out the online Mistress Carrie store. Just head to mistresscarry.com. That's also where you'll find all of the episodes of the Mistress Carrie podcast, including this one. Michael Wilton and Queensryche, well, well, they have been some of my favorites for years. Matter of fact, I loved Queensryche so much, especially Operation Mindcrime, that I snuck out of the house in my teen years to go and see them without permission. And let's just say I didn't have a 16th birthday party that year. And you know what? I wanted an apology from Michael Wilton. Queensryche just released their new album, Digital Noise Alliance, and they're out on the road with Judas Priest. Matter of fact, when I sat down and talked to Michael Wilton, it was the day of the first show of the tour, just a few days before they rolled into Boston. We talked about his upbringing and his first guitar his guitar tone inspiration, and Eddie Van Halen. We talked about the music he grew up listening to, including Judas Priest, and where he got his nickname, The Whip, in high school. We also talked about the band's songwriting process and their extensive touring. And it wouldn't be an episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast if we didn't talk about his pets 
and his love of ice cream. Well, you'll hear about that coming up in the episode. I have loved Queensryche from the first time that I heard them, and this is the first time I got to sit down with the band's guitar player. So allow me to introduce you to Michael Wilton. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturb, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to. You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Well, hello, Michael. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for uh, having me and uh, on this special first day of this tour. Yeah, so you guys are getting ready to kick off this tour with Judas Priest. Kind of a big deal. Yes, it's uh, our second uh, tour with these guys this year, so it's uh, um, it's always great to be with them. You know, they're great and they're uh, actually heroes. <laughs> so. Soon to be rock and roll <laughs> hall of famers too. Yeah, so proud of them. You know, it's uh, such a great achievement for them, and you know, they have our full support. <laughs> Um, you have to be careful with the people that are at your shows. I want to start off by saying that uh, my 16th birthday party was canceled because I snuck out of the house to see you guys with Def Leppard on that uh, big, like, in the round tour you did. Mm-hmm. I got grounded because of you guys. Oh, my gosh. But <laughs> what, a, what a good penalty, huh? <laughs> yeah, the show was great. I saw it the first night had permission, wanted to go back and see it the second night, did not have permission, got my ass grounded, birthday party canceled because of Queensryche. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah. Well, you're too kind. <laughs> you guys also, uh, now that you're out on the road with Judas Priest, also just had, is it really your 16th studio album? Yes. You know, still going at it strong, 40 years plus so if you had yeah. a gun to your head right now could you name all 16 well it's <laughs> i've only had one coffee but yeah i could probably do it <laughs> well no maybe uh it might take me a bit <laughs> <laughs> um i i want to talk to you about your guitar playing because in guitar circles when people talk about fast fingers, your name always comes up and it's not something that just kind of shows up. It's something you've been working at since you were a kid. Can you talk to me about when you started playing guitar? Yeah, I was in the, you know, my teens actually. 
So, you know, back then it was more of uh, putting your ear to the speaker and learning uh, guitar parts and, and, you know, you didn't have internet, you didn't have, you didn't have cell phones, you didn't have that. You had cassettes <laughs> at the most and records. So I basically did that and then hung around other, you know, aspiring guitar players that were learning. We just showed each other licks and, and uh, you know, and uh, eventually I started getting, you know, good dexterity and, and uh, you know, they, they started saying, hey, you whip on the guitar. And then, you know, back then we'd hang out at keggers, you know, with uh, big bonfires and cars lighting everything up. And then someone would yell, hey, whip, come over here. And everybody go, who's whip? <laughs> you know, and uh, so the nickname stuck. Nicknames but, do stick forever, yeah. whether you want them to or not. But yeah, so it was just, um, I think it's just, you know, passion and a love for uh, playing the guitar and it just, it's something that, you know, you do and uh, you aspire to do and, and you love what you do and you just, uh, you know, experiment, learn, just be a sponge and just take it all in. And that's kind of what uh, I've been doing all my life. So um, now it's totally natural, but, you know, I still love it. You know, otherwise I wouldn't be out here. Right. So I love it. And uh, um, always looking for inspiration, you know, to, uh, fuel my guitar playing and everything. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just something that, uh, you know, you, sometimes you got to go back and, and woodshed and, uh, you know, can't let the tips of the fingers get soft. So it's more of a, just kind of sticking with it, but, uh, you got to have the passion. Definitely. There's only a few ways when you're a kid to get a guitar. You either got to get, you know, a, a job and save your pennies. Uh, someone gifts you one that they have stuffed in a closet they're not using, or you got to beg your parents to buy it. Which one were you? Um, I saved my money, and you're going to laugh. I, I went in the back of a magazine, and I, mail, I had a mail-order uh, guitar sent to me. <laughs> And this thing, it was, I think it was made out of plywood, um, but it kind of looked like a Les Paul, but it's, it was, it's, I still have it today. But I was going to ask you, please tell me you still have this thing. I do. And it's, it's the heaviest guitar I've ever picked up. <laughs> <laughs> Can you, do you play it now? Back then you didn't know any better. Now that you know better, does the thing even sound good? Um... Not really. <laughs> <laughs> What's the first song that you that you started playing where you feel like you you got it? Like you're noodling around trying to play to a cassette or play what's on the radio. Do you remember when you played a song straight through and you were like, oh, my God, I think I figured it out. Do you remember what that song was? Yeah, I think um, uh, I remember a band called Mountain. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, it was a song by them and then um, a song off the first uh, Led Zeppelin album. I think those were, you know, big crown achievements for me. And, you know, but back then, you know, when you're 16, 17 years old, you don't know even know if you're playing them right. So, <laughs> Well, I have a theory about music. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
that there are two phases of your music adolescence. There's the music you get gifted by your parents, your cool uncle, and your older siblings, the soundtrack to your childhood, I call it. And then there's a day that you get exposed to something and you go, oh, wait a second, I like that, that's mine. So what was it that was your soundtrack growing up? And then what was it that you claimed as your own? Um, I, well, I think that, you know, was later on in uh, high school when, um, you know, I was listening to, ah, Judas Priest. Ah! <laughs> yeah. The Killing Machine. Um, and then uh, Van Halen came out with, uh, you know, the first album. And that blew me away. Um, so I think, you know, at that point, I was 18 years old. 19 and that's kind of uh what interested me was kind of the british invasion that was coming to america back then it was all you know these european bands that were on import records that were so cool because where i was growing up in seattle at that time it was really hit radio and it was really boring for a guitar player you know and i'm a young teenager and i want loud amps you know and cool looking guitars and all that stuff so you know, that was uh, definitely the the influence. And, and you know, and once uh, um, I was 20, that's when we did the, the first uh, demo uh, EP, which later became, you know, our first release. Um, that's where um, I think I found, I don't know, the beginnings of, of my signature style. Did you did you grow up with rock music on in the house? What were your parents listening to? Uh, my dad had a, a vast collection of records. Um, I listened to to jazz, to pop, to rock. I mean, he had like um, Jimi Hendrix records, The Beatles, The Rolling Stones, Mountain. Um, but I also listened to like John Coltrane, Miles Davis. You know that, and then. Um, kind of the progressive guitar players. I was listening to uh, Al Dimiola, um, John McLaughlin. So I was, you know, feeding my psyche lots, lots of uh, interesting stuff at an early age. And, you know, maybe that kind of mixed in the, the, the soup blender in my brain just kind of fueled my uh, future for me. You bring up Van Halen's first record, and the rock industry is still reeling from the loss of Eddie Van Halen. Is it ever, is it possible to even measure his impact on rock and roll? Oh, it's, I mean, his playing and, and his, I mean, he basically uh, made me become a guitar player. I went, I think I was 17, 18, it was the, Black Sabbath, Never Say Die Tour, and Van Halen was opening for them. And I had never seen them live. And I think I was up in the 300 section, you know, and they came out with the song. Uh, Van Halen is like on fire and David Lee Roth is kicking his legs up in the air and Eddie's doing these, you know, that's when I decided that's what I wanted to do. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh and i've and i did have the chance to meet him a couple times and you know yeah it's it's he had a 
huge impact on my career because he basically started it. <laughs> I only had a chance to meet him a couple of times and I was fixated by his hands. They were so huge. I couldn't believe how limber his fingers were, but that his hands were so big. Well, you know, it's like, uh, you know, some piano players and guitar players have that. I mean, I, I listen to classical guitar in the mornings and I listen to like Andre Segovia and, you know, he had big chunky fingers and he, he played till the day he died. You know, he was awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about, you know, being able to coordinate with the brain, you know, what you have and make it work. Um, sometimes big thick fingers are hard to do chords, but, um, intricate chords at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's just all coordination, basically. Shortly after Eddie Van Halen died, I actually had an interview with Nuno Betancourt from Extreme, and he got me going down this tangent of questions with guitar players because he told me a story early on in Extreme's career that he got invited to a Van Halen rehearsal and his dream to play Eddie's guitar through Eddie's rig so he would finally sound like Eddie Van Halen came true, except when he grabbed his guitar... Eddie's strings, Eddie's chord, Eddie's pedals, Eddie's amps. He said, I still sounded like Nuno. And so I've been asking guitar players when I talk to them, you've got a signature guitar tone. What do you attribute that tone to? Where does it come from if it's not coming from the guitar, from the amp, from the gear? Oh, uh, I, you know, I, I think it's, uh, everybody's always, you know, hot on, how fast you can fret and move the fingers. But I think it's more in the right hand. I think it's more in the picking hand. I think it's, it's how you attack the strings. It's, you know, there's dynamics involved and, you know, and it just kind of connects to your body, you know? So I think that's, that's where the personality is. Um, that's why, that's why, you know, it's like uh, anybody who plays somebody else's guitar is going to sound like that because it's, it's the way they, they pick, you know, and it's, uh, um, just like, like you said with, uh, Nuno. Can I talk to you about guitar ideas? Because I can't play the guitar, but I'm fascinated by the songwriting process and I'm fascinated by people that can play. And to me, the list of riffs that's already been invented and recorded and made famous is so long. So when it's just you sitting down with your guitar, A, where do the riff ideas come from? And B, when you're writing music, what side of the fence are you? Do you sit down and write for a specific project or are you always coming up with riff ideas and stockpiling them like a squirrel somewhere to use later? Like, how do you do it? Um, it's, it's all spontaneous. It's, I, I hear them in my head, you know, and uh, I get influenced by that. And, and that's how they get built. Just like uh, on this latest album, on uh, Digital Noise Alliance, we wanted... Uh, we didn't want regurgitated stuff, you know. It was like let's let's do let's just build from from riffs or whatever, you know. 
on the spot, very spontaneous. So, you know, I'd be with the guys having coffee before in the studio session started and I'd hear something in my head and I'd go, okay, you know, Hey guys, I think I got something. And I tell Zeus, our producer, go turn on the, uh, the pro tools computer and, and record this before I forget it. So that's with me, that's kind of how it is. I get inspired. I hear something and it's, it's, you just, you just have to listen, I guess, in your, in your head (laughs) and, and uh, translate it. And that's, that's just how I do it. I just, I get inspired. I hear something in my head and I just hopefully, you know, can get it uh, recorded before I forget it. What do you do if Zeus isn't there? I talked to Jerry Cantrell, an, a fellow Seattleite, and he told me that he sings the riffs into his cell phone so he doesn't forget them. Um, like, what if you wake tr- up in the I, middle of the night? What do you do? Uh, sad to say, those usually are gone. By uh. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of uh, what's accessible at the moment. And yeah, it's like, I've had dreams where I've, you know, I've written the the song, you know, and then I wake up and I have no idea, no recollection of what it was. So, you know, Um, but it's, it's like I said, you get inspired at that moment and you just hope that you can document it somehow, whether you sing it, where you write some, you know, notes or, uh, you have a guitar hopefully nearby that you can uh, figure it out. And, and, uh, but you know, it's just, I've been doing this for so long. It's like, you know, I, I have my band guys police me, right. To make sure that, you know, if I come up with a riff that I'm not ripping myself off from like another rip of an older album. So it's, uh, it's just, you know, it's just the way that we do things, the way that Queensryche does things, and the, and, um, the way I, I spawn ideas. <laughs> How important was it for you to have your guitar when the world shut down? They sold more guitars during COVID than I think any other time in human history because people were looking for a way to keep themselves occupied. You were already proficient at it. Did you play more guitar or less when you were home kind of for your longest vacation of your career? Oh, yeah. I mean, I kept busy. I, you know, wrote lots of things. I do uh, lots of uh, licensing music where I do uh, deals with uh, publishing companies, you know, where they they play your music in the background, like of a hockey newscast or something or a cooking channel or something. So. I do that. I, I did two of those and, and also wrote uh, um, some ideas for solo records and then eventually some uh, ideas for the uh, uh, just riffs for the DNA album, which, you know, most, like I said, most of it was spontaneous, but there was one, one song on the album that came from uh, that was, you know, created during the pandemic where's the craziest place your guitar playing is being sync licensed right now because we're not going to know it's you or maybe we would know it's you um i didn't see it but someone told me that your your music 
was in the background of a cooking channel. Uh, uh, remember uh, Anthony Bourdain? Yeah. He uh, he passed away, but um, yeah, it was uh, in the background of one of his episodes. <laughs> what were the non-musical things that you were doing at home? So many musicians, this is the first vacation they ever had. So when you weren't writing songs and recording for different things, what were you doing? Did you find a new hobby? Um, a good friend of mine hired me on his uh, construction team. So I was doing residential construction during the pandemic. So um, to keep busy and to, to make some extra money. So um, yeah, I did that. So I'm, I'm fairly schooled in, in residential construction projects. Weren't you afraid <laughs> well, to hurt your fingers? Oh yeah, I did all the time, oh. but, you know. Um, but I'm okay. You know, I, I didn't get too uh, banged up, but that's kind of the other thing I did in the, in the pandemic. I did that for a few months. So that was fun. Judas Priest celebrating their 50th anniversary and next year, Heart, another legendary Seattle band is celebrating Mm -hmm. their 50th anniversary what did their kind of existence in your upbringing, what, what did it mean to you, especially, you know, as a band that is so legendary for having these badass women in the band? What did they mean to yeah. Seattle? I mean, Hart was, you know, uh, they were like from some of the same neighborhoods that we lived in, in outside of Seattle. And, um, you know, they were uh, a bit more experienced and older than we were. So, and their, their music was being played on the radio. So they were, uh, you know, one of the big bands that came out of Seattle. I mean, it's, you got to love it. I think, and, you know, we got to do uh, some shows with them. And, um, you know, we met them a few times. I remember, um Chris and I did an advertisement with Nancy for Ovation Guitars that was in magazines. And um, so, yeah, I mean, the, totally re- uh, much respect to them. And, and uh, you know, I think they're still, you know, touring and doing their thing today. What is it about Seattle? It seems like it's just this amazing place. And I'm not just talking about the 90s and the grunge movement. I'm talking about the area in general just keeps turning out amazing, legendary musicians. What is it about that region of the country? Uh, one aspect may be that it just, it's kind of gloomy all the time and it's, and it rains a lot and um, there's periods of months where it's just kind of icky outside. Right. And I think, People do things indoors, I think, and guitar playing is one of them. And, you know, it just, maybe maybe it's all spawned by the weather. <laughs> How many guitars do you have now? Because you collect them too, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for a while, so I've acquired quite a bit of uh, arsenal of, of guitars. I think I have, 
you know, probably about 75 or 80, something like that. Can I ask you this question? I ask every songwriter this question because, like I said, I'm so envious of the craft and I just don't understand how you, there's nothing and then you hear this thing in your head and then there's a song. So can you give me an example, and this is a songwriting question, of a song that you think is so perfectly crafted that you wish you wrote it? Of any genre, any artist, that's insignificant, but a song that you look at from a craft perspective and you go, that's a perfectly written song. Oh, anything by Led Zeppelin. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, I mean... To me, there's just so many great works of, of guitar, you know, inspired songs that, you know, you can you can go through history, you know, great stuff that came out in the 70s. I mean, oh my God, there's so many great, great songs with signature guitars. Um, before I let you go, now that you're back out on the road, um, when you guys stop someplace, you're obviously in buses, you're out on the road with Judas Priest. 3 a.m., bus driver's got a fuel up, you pull over. What are you going into the truck stop to buy? What's the weirdest thing you've bought at the truck stop? What do you go looking for, those overnight Walmart trips? I, I You know, I don't look for anything weird. I just I just look for the, uh, the ice cream bin <laughs> 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 and get one of those... Uh, you know, those Eskimo pie things. Those are awesome. <laughs> You're going to be in Boston very soon. And um, through the years, obviously canceling my 16th birthday in Worcester. When you guys spend time in Boston, what do you what do? you do? I mean, you've been touring a long time. Uh, well, it depends, you know, if we have a day off in the city or, or not. You know, usually we just reside in the parking lot. <laughs> and make the best of it um if there's time we could venture out but it's usually not nothing's very close to where we're playing so we just hang out at the venue um the venue you guys are playing by the way is brand new and it's beautiful the mgm music hall at fenway mm-hmm. i know oh, as, yeah we heard about that it's yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice inside wait. yeah and it's attached to fenway park i know as a sports guy the Red mm-hmm. Sox are out of it. How are you feeling about Seattle's chances? Well, you know, I'm really, really happy for them. And they have a, you know, a badass team. They got, uh, um, that was a tough loss the other night against Houston. But I think, uh, you know, hopefully they can, they can pull it out and do something, get the Seattle Mariners back on the map. I know you're a big sports fan. Did you grow up wanting to play sports too, or were, was it just always guitar for you? No, I I was uh, I was a jock. <laughs> I played uh, baseball. I played you know junior football. I played you know I did all that stuff as a kid. So um, I got fairly far with baseball, but you know then. Eddie Van Halen came into my life and I ruined it for everybody. I wanted to to play uh, guitar. (laughs) Um, I have to ask you this question because geezer Butler changed everything. I talked to geezer Butler from black Sabbath and we got in this weird conversation and we started talking about his pets. 
I never in a million years would have ever asked Geezer Butler the name of his pets, but we were talking about a pet charity he volunteers for, and he told me that all of his animals are named after gangster rappers. Now, ever, <laughs> ever since then, I've had to ask musicians about their animals, especially because of COVID. We were all stuck at home with them for so long. So do you have pets, and what do you name them after? And you can blame I, Geezer for this question. Uh, I do not have any pets. I mean, I'm, uh, I reside in, in Florida now, so I have gecko lizards and sometimes the occasional snake venturing into my house that, <laughs> that, uh, keep me, uh, alert. Um, so that, that's it for me. I don't have any dogs or cat. <laughs> you really were craving the sunshine. You went from one extreme to the other. Yeah, I, it's, I love it though. You know, you wake up, up every day and you see the sun and then, but the, the summers are, are pretty brutal. You know, it's, it's like living on the sun. It's so hot. Were you affected um, by the hurricane at all or did you make it out okay? Um, it's okay. Just a, you know, a bunch of uh, branches and debris, you know, in the property and that's about it. So dodge that one. <laughs> No interest in moving someplace with all the snow like Massachusetts? <laughs> well, my theory is that, you know, we tour so much, so I get to see the rest of the country, you know. So um, in Seattle, I think we've played there already four times. So it's, you know, I get enough of that when I when I tour. I'm, I'm, dig- I'm digging the palm trees, you know, and the, the beaches and all that. <laughs> I uh, I recently talked to Nick Mason from Pink Floyd, and I asked him this question, and, and I'll ask you the same question. I asked him, is it annoying or is it a testament to the passion that your fans have that they secretly hold out hope that the band will reunite? And his answer was uh, that he thought it was kind of sad because he didn't think it was ever going to happen, but obviously... It ties back to the passion of the fans and the music and them loving you so much. How would you answer that question? Well, you know, you got pockets of Queensryche fans that, you know, it was it was the story of their lives, you know, back in their college days or whatever, you know. So they're they're kind of, you know, loving that and that's what they wish. And that's still in, in their minds, but you know, it's uh and we got new fans that, that love the new music, new younger fans that follow Queens right now. And it's, um, so it's all, all encompassing and, you know, bands change. People want to do things different in life. So it's just, it's, it's all part of, uh, you know, the path, I guess, that everybody wants to take. And, and for me and, and the guys, it's like, you know, you just want to, give the best representation you can of the band and uh, get the strongest players, the best chemistry and, and, uh, and make it work. So, um, you know, to, to wish to have everybody back in the band, it's like, it, it, it doesn't work. I don't think that way, you know? So it's like, for me, I'm thinking of the next day. I'm thinking of the next album. I'm thinking of the next tour. I'm thinking of that. I'm not worried about, uh, trying to resurge anything 
It's got to be a trip for you, though, to be up on stage and look out and see those generations of Queensryche fans singing the songs together, though. That's got to be a trip. Oh, yeah. I mean, all over the world. In fact, when we play in, in, uh, in Athens, Greece, they sing the guitar solos. It's awesome. I bet it is for you. Nobody sings the guitar solos. <laughs> yeah, they are so passionate. You know, it's, it's just, it's mind-blowing. Well, I am so appreciative of your time. I accept your apology of the cancellation of my 16th birthday party. <laughs> uh, <Aww>. I, <laughs> um, you guys are going to absolutely love that new venue in Boston with Judas Priest. Stage is big. Mm-hmm. Sight lines are awesome. The venue sounds amazing. And I can't wait to see you at the show. And you know, a lifelong dream for you. You grow up listening to Judas Priest. Now you're out on the road with them. Right on. Yep. Living the dream. Living the dream. (laughs) Congratulations on the release of your 16th album. It's insane to say that. Yeah. We're, we're out to support it for the next couple of years. So we're, we're really proud of it. And, um, there's going to be a lot of, uh, Queensryche in the next few years. It was so nice to meet you. Thank you so much. See you in Boston. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. There he is, Michael Wilton from Queensryche. The new album, Digital Noise Alliance, is available everywhere, and you can catch the band right now out on the road with Judas Priest. It wasn't a very convincing apology about my 16th birthday party, but, well, I'll take it. He's forgiven. If you're looking for Michael Wilton and Queensryche, I've got all of the links to their socials and websites in the show notes of this episode. You'll also find all of the Mistress Carrie links there as well, and the link to the corresponding playlist for this episode. Every full-length episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast gets a corresponding playlist that is filled with the music of my guest and all of the music that we talked about in the interview. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit subscribe and follow the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday, plus every weekday you get the sit rep. The Situation Report runs down all your rock and music headlines in five minutes. And if you know a Queensryche fan, make sure you share this episode with them. Most people discover new podcasts because their friends and families suggest them. You can get more details on the Mistress Carrie podcast, the Mistress Carrie radio show, and my video show, Cocktails in the War Room, at mistresscarry.com. The Mistress Carrie podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. By now, you know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about those sounds? Those are the sounds of an LG wash tower with ultra-large capacity, serving up a powerful yet gentle clean in just 29 minutes. Making this the sound of savings on the best appliance brands. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Get up to 25% off the LG wash tower with ultra-large capacity and reduced wash time. Pricing valid January 5th through January 25th, 2023. Gas dryer extra. U.S. only. See store or online for details. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with VentureX. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 